Hello, today is Friday, September the 4th, and you're listening to the Grains Matter Chatter podcast presented by North Core Grains. I'm your host, Dolores Foster, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Jeffrey Guy. Hello, everybody. So, Jeff, we have uh, we have a pretty special podcast going on today. Do you want to bring everyone up to speed? It's an extra special podcast today, Dolores, because we have two guests that have joined us today. That's We're right. Very pleased to... Announce here that from O'Farrell Financial, Hugh O'Neill and Sarah Chisholm. And they're joined us today. And what are they going to talk about? Well, we uh, we decided to ask them to come on the podcast because we were excited about this topic to talk about farm succession. So I think this is a topic that we talk about a lot in the farming community, but it's a really important one. So I'm really excited for uh, for this podcast. So why don't you guys introduce yourself a little bit and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Sure. I'm Hugh O'Neill and uh, I've been, I'm in my fifth year with O'Farrell Financial after uh, quite some time with uh, one of the major banks, but um, been doing, uh, focusing on farm succession over that, uh, uh, over that time. And uh, we do that um, uh, with many clients across Eastern Ontario. So, uh, who I am, Dolores. Uh, a lot of people know me, but uh, been with, in the uh, ag community here all my life, really. So uh, well known, been uh, with the bank, uh, like I said, for about 24 years and then uh, with O'Farrell Financial. So I am a, a financial security advisor at this time or financial advisor and partner with the O'Farrell Group. Awesome. And Sarah? Yeah, so my name is Sarah Chisholm. I'm a financial advisor at O'Farrell Financial. I've also been there for five years. I work out of our Kempel and Winchester office. So as an advisor, I'm working with individual clients on their plans, but my specialty is working with agribusiness and business clients on those succession plans. And um, I grew up on a dairy farm in Kempel, so I have that background. So I'd like to bring that into um, all the succession planning that I'm doing. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for coming out and taking a portion of your busy day to come and talk to us. Well, thank you for inviting us. It's our pleasure to be here. So we might as well just get right into it. And um, I guess we kind of came up with a couple generic questions (laughs) um, uh, to talk about today. And so, I mean, yeah. Well, well let's jump into it. Uh, I don't know who's going to answer this or both is, you know, like, why is uh, farm succession planning so important? Well, I'll take that one. And um, when I think of farm succession planning, I'm thinking about both the business and the family. So there's the business aspect about um, rolling it to the next generation and making sure you're doing that the most efficiently um, most efficiently possible. Um, you don't want to run into tax consequences, legal bills. You don't want to have lost time for productivity you want to do it in the most efficient manner as possible from the business aspect from the family side you don't want to have major family conflicts so if we can get it to go as smoothly as possible that is ideal and then when again when we're looking at the family we're looking at the parents making sure that they're entering retirement in a way they want to and for that next generation making sure they're able to join the business and keep it operating the the way they want to. So just making sure, you know, you have a legacy for both your business and the family. Yeah, those are some really great points. Um, One of the things, um, I was in the bank industry for a little bit, not quite as much as you, Hugh, but, um, and one of the things a lot of my clients would ask me when I was there is, 
what like when where to start when when to start so maybe you guys can talk about that a little bit sure you know not to sound uh odd or whatever but really you need to start thinking about your farm succession planning as soon as you buy a farm or as soon as you get into business that uh, your succession needs to be thought about so um why is it that early well, it's got a lot to do with a how you set up your farm uh, right off the bat in terms of you know whether if you're in a in a corporation or a partnership and and how you can lead that down the road. Um, so we want to get everybody positioned for long term success when when they start out. Um, <clears throat> so we often talk about the younger families about their dreams, what direction do they want to take the farm. Um, what do they want for their family? <clears throat> how long do they see themselves farming? And if they're working with siblings, we ensure that they have solid agreements in place so that they can achieve their own personal goals as well as uh, transition into the next generation in their own family along with their siblings in, in 25 to 30 years time. So it's all about getting that foundation right off the bat. Um, we also work with those younger families to ensure that they have their own risk management tools in place, uh, life insurance and disability and critical illness insurance. So life doesn't always go as planned. And uh, <clears throat> so you can mitigate that by having the right tools in place. It'll help you enable to keep farming in case uh, life does throw those uh, curveballs at you and uh, you, you end up uh, needing to make changes. So we work with lots of families at different uh, various stages. We work with the older generations on their retirement plan and helping them get out of farming. And we work with the younger generations on <clears throat> not only getting into farming, but, but, you know, starting their savings plans or retirement plans early so that they're able to, uh, to uh, move out of farming <clears throat> when they're ready. So long story short, regardless of who you are or what stage you are, you should be thinking about your farm succession now. That's, that's a really good point. And I know like for us anyways, on, on our operation, um, we've started our fam our farm succession here, but like you said, life throws you curveballs, you, and it doesn't matter how much you plan. Like it's it's like a, a living document. It's always <laughs> changing and forming to everything that's that's going on uh, on the operation and with the family and everything like that too. Yeah, things change, and you know we always Absolutely. check in with our clients annually to make sure the plan that's in place is still relevant and still heading in the right direction and, and you make adjustments as, as life goes forward. So so when a farmer wants to start thinking about their succession plan, you know, like how really, how, how can they get started? I, you know, I've had these discussions with Dwight in here also about really how he got started. And I think in his succession plan was even in his own mind without involving other people. And I think mm -hmm. that was maybe maybe the old school way. The, uh, so where would a, a young farmer start now or a middle-aged farmer? Well, I think, uh, you know, and I know Dwight fairly well, but uh, he does have lots of good thoughts in that direction, but he also is uh, not shy about bringing in his advisory team. And I think bringing in your advisory team is very important. You know, uh, myself and your accountant, uh, your your lenders, your, your legal advisors, we've done a lot of succession planning with different families so we've got lots of ideas so you know as one farmer you only get to do one succession plan or maybe two one when you get in one when you get out but, but we're doing that all the time and bringing in those advice advisors are can be very helpful in, in helping you think your way through it and 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 understanding things that can 
you know, help it go in the right direction. So um, there's lots of advisors out there. I always say, you know, if you have one advisor that says, I'm the guy that can do all of this for you and you only need to listen to me, probably not the team player you're looking for. So you always want to have your accountants and lawyers and financial planners willing and open to sit around the table with the whole team. So those different advisors, uh, maybe this is a bit of a loaded question. So like, who's the most important one? Is it the accountant, the lawyer, the financial advisor? There isn't the most important one. They're all important. (laughs) They all do their job and uh, they, you know, when they work together, you get the best results. That was a great answer, Hugh. That that was the answer I was looking for, but it was was a great one. Um, I guess the other thing I want to say is there's uh, lots of great resources out there. Um, and uh, I guess, you know, people say, where do I start? Well, you can you can start by doing some reading. There's lots of reading material. Farm Management Canada has done a lot of um, work around succession planning, and they have lots of resources on their websites. Um, the other thing, too, is uh, there's lots of uh, information out there about the, the family side of things and the emotional side of succession. Um, you know, I'm getting pretty gray on the top. I know there's a little bit of emotion around retiring and emotion around uh, the succession and, and thinking of yourself not being the kingpin in, in business. So uh, there's lots of uh, reading out there as well on that side. I remember one little tidbit, uh, one farm succession planner told me in my previous career as a banker also when we were meeting some customers was... Uh, Mom and dad should not build a house where they can see the, the current farm yeah. operation, what's that's, going on. That's a good point, you know, and I've actually recommended a board fence for some people that they should <laughs> put around their backyard so they can't see into the farmyard too much. Uh, yeah. You know, mom and dad are great in every family. They've got so much experience, um, but they also hang on to some things that uh, that were maybe worked in their uh, in their height of their career and, and they need to let go of once in a while. So it's it's tough to uh, to watch the next generation make their own mistakes, but uh, it's part of part of the transition. I think that's it. You had a good advisor there. Yeah. <laughs> so the farm succession, we realize it's very important. Are you seeing uh, more of an uptake from younger farmers now to start planning ahead? I think it's an ongoing thing, um, and it really depends on the farm and the family, right? Sometimes it's about timing. If you've got two or three kids, sometimes that farm transition doesn't really come up until everyone's into their 20s, right? Um, So that you might try to broach it right away, but maybe only one kid is out of school and one kid has been on the farm. So sometimes it's about about timing. The other, where we normally see it coming up is um, clients are getting into their late 50s, 60s and are really thinking about retiring or when we're talking about farm clients, really it's more about they want to start taking more vacations. They don't want to do as many decisions. They still want to be on, on the farm. They still want to drive the tractor or be with the cows, whatever they really like. They still want to do that, but they are ready to start stepping back a bit. So that's when they start thinking about it. For us as advisors, we're trying to broach the subject all the time because the plan should be an ongoing discussion and you know as retirement gets closer we should really be thinking about that and as that younger generation is coming up you know talking with them about what do they want to do um you know and they might go try some on they might be on the farm for a few years then go off the farm for a few years it's about getting that experience so it's an ongoing process 
Sounds good to me. Very interesting. So if one of our podcast listeners would like to reach out to yourselves, how, uh, how can they reach you? How can they contact O'Farrell Financial? 613-258-1997. Go to our website, ofsi.ca, and uh, and uh, go through the um, the channels on there, the links to contact us. We're happy to talk with people. So thanks for that. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for coming out today. And I I love talking about farm succession. It's like it's the future of our industry. So and it's a really important topic. So thank you so much for coming out and. And spending the morning with us. I think one extra thing uh, we need to talk about, or not to mention anyways, Dolores, is that uh, O'Farrell Financial has been a uh, longtime supporter of our customer day, our annual customer have, day. yes. And they uh, supplied the cheese curds that were in our gift baskets this year, which uh, went over over very well. And uh, well, I'm a big cheese lover, Jeff. It was really hard to deliver them without eating a few packages. <laughs> well... <laughs> And we're so happy to be part of it and part of the team here at, uh, at North Gore Green. So uh, thank you so much for having us out here. Well, thank you again for coming and being part of that. And uh, it's actually nice to even to see, even with the two years out here, the uh, the different generational views of things, being that Hugh is a little more gray-haired like myself and uh, Sarah is a little younger like Dolores So here. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's always interesting to see some different perspectives. So, sure. thanks again. So we had a pretty exciting week here. Um, the markets were rallying. We had the uh, the Great Ontario Yield Tour this week. Uh, lots to talk about. So, Jeff, what happened in the markets this week? Well, in saying the markets were rallying, it's almost a misdemeanor saying they were rallying because they rallied big time Sunday night in the overnight trading. Uh, we had a bunch of target orders got hit on, right. uh, on new crop soybeans uh, specifically. Congratulations to all of our customers that uh, met their target orders. Oh, it was great to see the target orders get hit in the overnight trading. Just the way target orders usually work. Seems like the overnight trading, more orders get hit. By the time uh, things got rolling on Monday, soybeans were back down 2 to $3 uh, a ton. And... You know, they, they backed off from there. They came back up during the week a little bit. They went down a little bit, came up a little bit. So so really for the week, soybeans were are down about $2 from their high that was hit Sunday morning, 3 to 4, 5 o'clock in the morning. Yep. So it, uh, it's still, though, the prices are uh, pretty attractive. Like, you know, we're just shy of $450 for new crop soybeans, which is a pretty attractive number. Corn also was down uh, two to three dollars for the week, uh, and there's uh, both this year and next year's harvest just a little bit shy of two hundred dollars a ton. You know, it's kind of a two hundred dollars a bit of a starting point for a lot of customers. Yep. The wheat market actually was down a little bit this week. Uh, old crop basis went down a little bit on wheat and uh, pulled the wheat down about seven dollars across the board from the highs early in the week. And next year's price is down about four dollars, but. So when we talk about the markets uh, right now, one of the biggest things is the weather in mm-hmm. the U.S. I guess they're expecting some more rain. Well, that's they've been fairly warm and dry through much of the Corn Belt, uh, yep. which has really brought down the crop ratings the last few weeks, especially the Western Corn Belt. Even the Hurricane Laura last uh, last week there didn't bring that much moisture to them. 
which was, uh, they were kind of expected to get a little more moisture out of some of these storms. They didn't get, but they're looking for some moisture events over this weekend, mm -hmm. even some severe weather events over the weekend in parts of the corn belt. But, uh, so that's, you know, like today prices are fairly flat today. And so I think they're looking at the weather and seeing if the weather does come through. Um, the other thing is, isn't there a USDA report next week? Yeah, it's next not till week? next Friday. So right. the Monday we'll get the crop progress report. I think most analysts I wrote about this today in the blog uh, are looking, thinking that its crop ratings will probably come back down again due right. to the recent dry weather. And there are different uh, private companies out there bringing out uh, decreased corn, corn and soybean yield projections for this mm -hmm. year out of the states really varied some of them uh one or two bushels below the usda number some of them as much as five bushels on corn wow. so that usda report is next friday and that's we'll be looking for the usda to give us new revised projections mm -hmm. they should have into account the the big windstorm that was through iowa a few weeks ago and this dry weather and one of the things we always have to remember about the USDA, even if uh, the analysts don't agree with the USDA, the market trades and what the USDA says. And when you look back at it at the end of the year, whether the numbers are right or not, the USDA usually ends up being pretty close to being correct with their year-end numbers. So really on the week, uh, the markets were really strong at the beginning of the week. The exports to China are helping both the corn and soybeans. Commercial usage on uh, wheat is helping the price somewhat in the States, but there's a, a big, big world wheat crop out there. So mm -hmm. even these uh, wheat prices, when we look at next year, there's soft red uh, wheat up uh, north of $250. We had a few customers this week selling both the hard and soft red winter wheat for next week. Uh, actually, one of them hit a, a target on the, uh, the hard red winter wheat. So it's nice to see people taking advantage of that. And uh, we'll continue to watch the markets. Anybody has any okay. questions can give us a call any yep. anytime. So and we... Yeah, sorry. I, uh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm just going to throw back to you, Dolores, to talk a little bit about the uh, farms.com uh, yield tour. Yeah, bringing it back, I guess, a little bit more local. Yep. So uh, the Great Ontario Yield Tour was this week. Um, and kudos to... All the ones parties involved, they did a great job. It was a great platform, easy to navigate. And um, for myself, anyways, I found it. Uh, I think they did a great job with with the time and resources that they had. Um, so soybeans, they released a number of 53.2 bushels per acre for the Ontario average. I think the Eastern Ontario number was very close to that too. It was, yes. But the number that was really, I think a lot of people were excited about was the Ottawa Carleton number and that's 66 bushels per acre. So, I mean... Repeat that, 66 bushels per acre. That's a 60. phenomenal number. That is. And I hope they're right. <laughs> I think a lot of people are hoping they're right. So, um, some of the points they made is uh, that the stand, stands are consistent there's limited disease um, areas that usually are famous for white mold are it's pretty limited this year and um, they put out an average population of 142,048. They're they're really basing their yield on pod counts and um, absolutely it's I think everybody we've talked to are are very bullish on their soybean yield expectations and this mm -hmm. is a uh, just carries through on that so. 
Yeah. What are they uh, looking at on the corn yield, uh, Dolores? So for the on the provincial average, they put out a number of 183.3 bushels per acre. And um, unlike the uh, the soybean, <laughs> uh, the Ottawa Carlton number is is less at 165 bushels per acre. So so that 165, that's still north of uh, four tons. It is. You think of some of the stresses the corn crop has had through the years or through the year through this growing season, like yep. the cold weather for that early corn planted, mm-hmm. the, the drought. Uh, I think if we average that, uh, you know. Over four tons, over 160 bushels, uh, most farmers will be pretty happy. Yeah, for the year, for the growing year it has been. So they also put out some uh, averages. So for row, uh, cob, row and length, they put uh, 16.5 for the average row and 33 kernels in the average length. So they said that that's slightly lower than last year, but it's pretty, it's not off a ton and then the other points they made was that the stand the stand uh count is down but on a positive note there is low disease and uh low nitrogen deficiencies so i again i think that just confirms what most people that have been looking in the cornfields are seeing we know that we uh their plant population the stand was a little bit lower especially due to that cold weather for the early stuff planted you know, talking about how many rows of the corn, like they're saying 16 and a half average across the province. So we're probably in that 14 to 16 range yeah. here for the average and uh, with our projected lower yield. So anyhow, it'd be interesting to see how they work out in the, the it end. Will be. Yep. And the, uh, we'll keep our eyes open because that soybean harvest is just around the corner. It is. Just around the corner. Getting excited here. So anyways, I think uh, I think that's all we have for this week. I think we were pretty long this week, so we'll cut it off here. But... Oh, it's great to have the special guests in this week once Absolutely. again. We want to thank one last time for uh, them coming from Ferro Financial. Yeah, and, Hugh uh, O'Neill and uh, and Sarah Chisholm. Chisholm. There we go. Yeah, and <laughs> we'll thank them, them again, and thank everybody for listening in. We'll uh, tune in again next week, and we'll uh, see what the markets do in the USDA next week, and we'll yep. hopefully expect a good week on the markets. Bye for now. Bye for now.